Welcome to Canada's History Podcast. My name is Julie Richards and I am this year's Nobleman Scholar at Canada's History Society. Over the past month, it has been my pleasure to chat with the 2021 Governor General's History Award Excellence in Teaching shortlist. Listen in as the teachers and I discuss their wonderful and inspiring projects, teaching during the pandemic, and how to keep students engaged in history. Today, I'm speaking with Shannon Leggett uh, from Brockton School in North Vancouver, British Columbia. Thank you for joining us today and welcome to the Teaching Canada's History podcast. Let's dive right in. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your classroom? Uh, Thank you very much for having me. Um, Again, yeah, my name is Shannon Leggett and I'm an international baccalaureate or I'll use the word IB. Um, and Dogwood, which is uh, means BC, British Columbian regular um, courses teacher. And I currently teach grades 10 through 12, but I have also taught uh, grades 7 to 12, social studies, English, drama, film, and PE. Um, I currently teach at Brockton School, as you said, in North Vancouver, British Columbia. And we are what's known as an IB continuum school where we have students from PK3 through grade 12 taking the International Baccalaureate program. Uh, Over the last 30 years, I've taught um, both here at middle middle and public high schools in West Vancouver, as well as at the International School of Prague in Czech Republic. Um, Since March 2020, uh, when the pandemic began, I have taught a combination of synchronously and asynchronously with this past 2020-2021 school year being taught in a hybrid system with students um, at school with me in the classroom, um, separated following COVID protocols, as well as some being at home. And then they would join our classroom using Google Meets, and then they would be projected onto the whiteboard so that they would be able to interact with myself and their peers. Um, And just to say a little bit more about um, the students who I teach in my expectation, um, in my experience, I try to aspire to what uh, U.S. First Lady, Lady Lady Bird Johnson once said is that, quote, children will rise to the high standard that is expected of them, unquote, while also trying to fulfill Robert Maynard Hutchins' thought, quote, the object of education is to prepare the young to educate themselves throughout their lives, unquote. So in general, I would say that I, I have been successful trying to inculcate such values in my students, both now and in the past. And what is both challenging and satisfying about teaching is that it is an ongoing process to figure out unique ways to differentiate and reach out to each individual. And uh, finally, what I love about teaching so much is how much I get to collaborate and learn from my students. I feel like I learn something new every day. That's amazing. It sounds like a really interesting classroom. And it's really amazing how well you've been able to integrate um, online learning, especially with COVID. Have have the students been excelling as well? Have they been uh, liking the new format? Um, I'd say liking the new format. Um, so my daughter also just graduated. So she's part of the grad 2021. It was incredibly difficult for their, um, grad year since uh, it was 15 months basically of them having so much, uh, academic and uh, socio-emotional instability. I think for, um, 
the school that I teach at, which is a smaller um, private school or independent school, as we say in British Columbia, um, versus my daughter was at a very big um, public school. Um, at our school, we were able to immediately, so we had the shutdown that started in March 13th, 2020, and we had spring break and we actually didn't have a, we as teachers didn't have spring break. We just were all learning how to teach online almost immediately. And so that when school reopened, we were just all immediately online. And then, uh, then, so for grad 2020 in June, um, it actually was, we still had, you know, the students who were graduating and then going on to university for them, it was hard, but it wasn't so hard because they had almost all gotten into university already and their grades weren't going to get impacted. Whereas the other students who were in school, particularly grad 2021, um, and for the IB, um, DP diploma program courses. It's a two-year program. So they had exams that were going to be based on not only what they did in grade 12, but what they had learned in grade 11. And so it was what we had done online. We were like, oh, is it good enough? And and I had had fun. We had had fun um, in general because we were using Google Meets and we could see each other and our school calendar continued to go. We weren't asynchronous, whereas my daughter's classes were asynchronous and a lot of stuff fell apart because you lost that connection with your community in the lockdown. Um, and so then for this grad year, um, they were in the classroom together, which was great, but we had to get rid of our lunch hour um, because of... Um, the way the schedule was to have um, proper uh, physical distancing within the classroom, certain classroom sizes, that was hugely impactful um, to not be able to see each other as, as peers. And then the students who are at home, I had one student who was in his room for 15 months I, and we only saw him at graduation. It was so hard on him, but he was really grateful to be able to still connect with his peers using the camera and being on uh, line with us um, as our schedule continued to go. So I definitely say there were a lot of pros and cons of this, and I don't think anyone will ever want to go back <laughs> to what we went through and what we all survived. But I think we learned a lot and um, have gained um, many new um, teaching to pedagogical and teaching techniques um, to be able to um, survive and thrive, I think, in the future. And last thing, the project that I did um, that I submitted for this award, um, I submitted my online version that I did with the students using Google Meets. Um, and the results were, I feel, just as good as the ones that I just finished with my current grade 10s who were in person. So it's an interesting thing to compare and contrast um, ha them having to do it by themselves at home during a pandemic, whereas they were also doing it with me in the classroom. Yeah, that's a really unique position um, where you have both the online and the in-person that you can compare. Um, can you, can you uh, go into more detail about your project? Um, so um, I came up with this unique scaffolded way to have students go through the process of writing a research paper, which most students will have to do in their high school careers. And so the um, what we would call for IB, MYP, which is the middle years program, we call it Individuals in Society or INS, but the Canadian educational equivalent is social studies. So the Social Studies 10 research paper is designed to teach students how to create a 1,500 to 2,000 word analytical historical investigation 
on a Canadian event between 1919 and 2011, and then to defend it to their peers. So after the research paper has been written, in a 15-minute Q&A session with their peers, students have to explain and defend their findings. And then at the very end, they reflect on the whole process and give advice to those who will do it in the future. Um, and then some presentations are given at an assembly um, for our school as a civic awareness opportunity. So um, that is a new thing that has also come out of um, this process that I that was brand new this year um, that was building on what we had done last year. So that was very exciting. Um, the project's purpose regarding skills is to teach students how to conduct in-depth research and produce papers using a multifaceted scaffolded approach, whereas its purpose regarding knowledge and understanding is to have students become experts on one area of post-World War I, or in the past it had been on post-World War II, um, Canadian history, and be taught a wide array of unique and often unknown events in Canadian history. And just um, the difference between whether they select topics after World War I and World War II is dependent on how much content I'm able to get through the year. Um, this past year, it, um, because not only of uh, election that happened in British Columbia, but the American election that was happening, that my first initial unit went on much longer than I had intended. And also, um, I do work with the Canadian public policy group and educational group called Civics. And so I was selected to pilot their um, digital media literacy um, program so that they could then reach out and create a, a federal program. So both of those things took a lot of time this past year um, for me to complete it. So then when I wanted to cover more his Canadian history, I um, stretched the time frame of the uh, possible subjects that students could choose from. It's such a such a fascinating project, and I agree with um, with both your teaching philosophy and, and what you've been doing with this project. Because I think that writing skills and historical research are definitely things that was lacking in my own education. I think is really common before university for students to come in and not really know how to write papers, how to do this really in depth research. So it's a fantastic opportunity for them to learn these skills that they'll use throughout their education or career, throughout maybe their professional career. Um, yeah, it's really amazing. Um, so what inspired you to develop this project? So just to build on what you said, um, in my experience, you know, I went to high school a very long time ago. Um, we had to, in social studies 11, we had to do, it was about a 1,000 to 2,000 word research paper um, to prepare us from for university. But that has not in the BC curriculum, it's not prescribed that you have to learn how to do that at all. Um, and I would agree with you many places in the world, you don't have to do that. And so, um, one of the advantages, I guess, of the IBDP program is that that is a requirement of DP history is that you have to do this 2200 word analytical, um, investigation. And so what inspired me to, um, do this project building on kind of what you said, it can be quite a challenge to teach students how to write an in-depth yet succinct research paper and then also do this in a condensed time frame when you're under pressure to teach all the other content of the course. So um, only a couple of years ago, um, and again, I've been doing this, I've been teaching some type of research paper for over 30 years, but in different courses at different grades, depending on the school I was at. Um, 
But a couple of years ago, I encountered a group of seniors who had never written a research paper before. They got to me, and it made me really reflect and uh, upon and dissect the process. Um, not only the research and writing skills, but also how to do it in a short time frame versus all the other skills and content that I had to teach. So um, to create it, I used a bit of what I teach in both IB, MYP, and DP courses um, because DP history is taught at a first-year university expectation level. And with what I had actually also taught in my Dogwood courses with students who may not have have been as academically ambitious. So I had to like find, and then I'm teaching it in grade 10 because at our school in grade 10, after that, you have many different electives. Well, many schools, you have different electives that you will go on and take. So we wanted to make sure that everybody who takes INS or social studies 10, no matter what they take in the future, they have the skills to be able to write a research paper. So that now is up to me. And so, um, what uh, makes it unique as a Canadian history uh, research paper is a couple of factors. So I hope it's okay. I'll just say those. Um, so what I do is I have students do a survey of what UBC professor Robert Belton considers to be the, the most historically significant Canadian events of the post-World War I 20th century era. And he's written this list that I was able to find. And students then kind of go through it and select um, topics that they find to be interesting. And then we kind of do a draw um, to see who gets can do what. But there are, there's hundreds of possibilities. So there isn't usually a conflict over who can do what. And then I've actually added on to his list um, events up until 2011. So um, as a history teacher, I feel that, and I actually know that we get stuck in a time warp of teaching the 20th century. Um, for example, for my DP history course, I finish at the end of World War II. I do French Revolution to the end of World War II. And I'm part of the DP history curriculum rewrite team and internet, it's an international group. And I just gave feedback a couple of days ago saying, we have to get into the 21st century. We are one fifth of the way through this century. And we need to start to figure out how to be teaching this content that we still are not doing. Um, and so I want them to have that option to get up to 2011. And the reason why I stop at 2011 is that we're not supposed to really, as historians, encourage students to choose topics within the last 10 years, as generally there wouldn't be enough historical research with like second sober thought um, done on it. However, some of the topics that um, my students have been choosing have really important current events aspects like Indigenous and the Canadian women in the military. And so if the sources were reliable, I have been encouraging them to include that information. Um, and then once the students, another aspect that I think makes it unique is that once students have made their research question and done some research, I have them come in and write an in-class essay on the topic without their notes. And they, even though it's not for a grade, it, it freaks them out because they don't like to feel the risk of not knowing what they're talking about, even though it's not being graded. It's just like put on the page what you remember. Um, and so then I have them write until they can't write anything, remember anything else. And then I encourage them to like write lines where they can't remember a certain fact or date or they know it's there, but they just can't remember it. So they can go back and then fill it in later. 
And then when they've finished writing everything that they remember, I get them to then go look at their notes and then go back and try and fill in the blanks and add anything more that they were missing. And then at the end of that class period, we all self-reflect on what's been learned. And in general, students can now really see where there are gaps and where they need to do more research or that they need to change their question and then do their research in another area. And I try to do this in about really the fourth class of the unit. Um, really early on, this is, to- this is what has changed from what I, how I used to teach a research paper. And the reason is that so they can do more focused research. I'd say in the past, we'd just go, oh, go do research. And then they're researching for seven, eight, nine classes. And then we, I have really no idea what their thought process is. And they don't even really know. And then I'll get them to start to write a rough draft. And it can often not make really any sense. And then they're realizing that they don't have proper research for the question and how do they change their question. And I feel like this sort of throwing them into the pool to learn how to swim and then coming out of it, it's just such a, the look on all, uh, the look on their faces when they finish that class, some of them get very upset. I had people crying, like, and I, and I, and I go over to them and just be, it's okay. Like, and they've just done this massive risk because you're such a, um, it's such a risk to be a writer to get something onto the page because you feel so vulnerable. And again, it's not worth a grade. It was just for them. But, um, the conversations that come out of it and the self-reflection, it's just, it's unbelievable. And it's not like it's a miracle and that everything is perfect when they finish that piece, but that's the big, as you'd say, the hump to get over, um, that they were like, Oh, now I finally just started writing. And as you, you know, you as a graduate student, you understand it's just, you just got to start writing. You just got to start writing. And, um, I think that this is something that, uh, has changed in my ability to do a research paper. And then um, I do a Viva Voce style um, presentations where then the students, after they finish their paper, they do a Google Slides presentation where they overview, then uh, they tell the story of their topic, and then they summarize their analysis, they defend their findings, and then they share their reflections on the process. And these presentations are done in front of their classmates and an invited audience of friends and as well as teachers, administrators, their parents could also be there. That's a cool thing about the pandemic is that now we can have the parents join as Google Meets and they're on their lunch break in their office and then they could join us. So that's a cool thing. Um, And this is all amazing as it allows students to be the experts with myself or others filling in the gaps or synthesizing about so many unique aspects of Canadian history, some of which I didn't even know a lot about. For example, we have had like the last couple of years, the impact of the first Gulf War on Canada, the impact of the 1973 Anti-Inflation Act on Canadian workers. Um, Did Canada fulfill its goals in the war in Afghanistan? Um, the most impactful legacy of Expo 86 and what part of the involvement of indigenous Canadians in the first and second world wars was most significant in leading to their full enfranchisement. Um, There are just so many great important topics, but the last thing I'd say is um, most profoundly this year, students actually took it upon themselves to want to take their presentations and do them in front of the school as a community public service. And I wanted to quote um, what one of my students emailed me um, because she has spearheaded this initiative. Quote, 
As you know, I am researching the effects the Canadian military has had on women, including sexual assaults. In my research, I have found some alarming and horrifying statistics about both men and women's sexual assaults that have caused me to feel anguish at aspects of Canada's history, military, and justice system. I am not asking to change my topic as these feelings of disgust, sadness, and anger have only strengthened my passion, interest, and understanding of this topic. I am, however, wondering if I could present my findings on this topic as I think it is of utmost importance as it affects men, women, and people who don't identify with female or male genders because we are all human. I also believe this is an important topic to share with the school as it relates to our societal views, normalities, and values, whether that is local, national, or international. Sexual assaults are also present in our Canadian history through Indigenous residential schools and colonization, our military, both home front and abroad, and the way our justice system functions and its obvious flaws. I am truly horrified and saddened by the statistics I have found about both men and women, and I am dedicated to educating our generation on this topic, unquote. I was floored when I got that (laughs) email from my student. And then now it has mobilized her and her peers to want to take some of their findings and then start to present them in some of our community assemblies. So yeah, it's been pretty impactful. Sounds like such an amazing project. And I think, and even when I read your application, I I wish that I had had this project in when I was in grade 10 or something. Like it sounds, it's so amazing, and and you're totally right. Um, talking about writing, it's really hard to get over that that first hump of when you are just putting all your thoughts on the page. And there's been so many times that you write something, and then oh, it doesn't connect to what you originally thought at all, actually. Or when you finally put it all down on the page, you realize what you're most interested in, and that's usually what you want to research more. And sometimes that's completely different from how you started out. Um, I think it's just such a such an amazing opportunity for these students to really um, have that experience so early on in their academic careers because it's so so useful um, in university and like throughout really and yeah it's amazing um, just the content too. I wanted to just can I add to what you just said is that I think another important mm-hmm. aspect of it is for kids to feel safe to take that risk because writing it, you are so vulnerable when you write. And another way that I do it is that they're all writing on Google docs that they've shared with me. And so we have many in-class writing sessions. And so I'm able to, um, while I'm, while they're writing their drafts or doing work or things like that, um, I'm able to go onto their Google Docs and either just write a comment so I actually don't have to go up to them in class. Because sometimes if I go up to the person, like, oh, why are they going up to blah, blah, blah. So I could just write a comment and then they could see it um, and then they can address it or not address it. Or they can then write to me, hey, can you come over and then help me? And then I can go over and help them. And it's, again, making them... I'm not teaching them how to, I'm not telling them what to say. I'm just trying to guide their process as they're trying to formulate their thoughts and then to say it in a coherent way. So I think that making them feel okay to risk and that it's a, the whole point is it's a process, right? Professionals, you know, my master's thesis are professional historians, right? It's a process of, of trying to work through and then it's okay to make mistakes and to keep correcting them and nothing is ever perfect. I think that's a key thing too. Yeah, absolutely. Like the first draft is never the final product ever. And there's so many 
places for um, historians that get books published. There's always feedback constantly and they're always reworking stuff. And feedback with writing is so, so important and something that students don't really um, experience too often because it's usually they just write a paper, hand it in, get a grade back, and that's the end of it. There's no opportunity to revise or rework something. I also show them like um, I'm a textbook author. So I um, wrote the IB History of the Americas textbook um, for Oxford University Press. And of the several topics, parts, uh, chapters that I wrote, I wrote um, one on Indigenous Canadians. And I show them the difference between the manuscript that I produced and the um, what OUP ended up because there was a word count limit, a page number limit. And so they just slashed what I wrote, you know, and, and so, but it, and that's the reality writing never stops and it depends on what audience you're writing it for. And, you know, my master's thesis ended up being 210 pages, which is like a crazy amount of page numbers for a master's thesis. And, but I wanted to include everything I wanted, but I still had to include what my supervisors wanted. And then I had to still do some cutting. And so there's never, ever like you're always having to also face, is there a word count? And so this has to affect my writing. So I, I'd say that it, it ne- in my experience of anything that I've written, it's never been perfect. It's just that this is how, this is as good as it can get given the constraints of the assignment and the time frame. And that's another thing I tried to teach them as well. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're completely right. There's always more practical concerns as well that you have to take into consideration whenever you're writing whether it's for an assignment or a publication or anything like that. Um, you sort of uh, touched on the, what the greatest impact is um, for your project. Did you want to expand on that a bit more or do you have other, other thoughts about it? I just, I think, uh, I think that the passion that this process ignited in the students to be more interested in Canadian history, to want to like educate their peers and, and make a difference in the world, you know, that that's been the thing that's been even more kind of shocking that the, the topics that they're choosing, which are not necessarily your traditional Canadian history, you know, that's like quote unquote traditional, like World War One, World War Two, Cold War, you know, um, it, it just has really been inspiring to myself in our community. And, uh, I'm a teacher uh, education workshop leader, and I've been sharing my experience um, about this project in particular, and some of my teaching peers are now trying out what I've suggested as well. And I think it just all, we all have to adapt the, I, I share with them how I've scaffolded it and things that I found that's interesting, and then people will um, take what they find useful for their own practice and then adapt it. And I always think it's interesting when people share their adaptations. And again, I tried to credit, um, it was one of my peers from international school of Brasilia, another Canadian history teacher who had shared with me his template of, um, what to do. And so I, I gave him credit about like the basis of what he um, created and, you know, it's a, why do we have to uh, remake the wheel, right? I think that that's the best thing about being historians and colleagues is like, you know, share best practice and then we just keep on trying to make it better. Yeah, exactly. And it changes for each student too. Like the same same thing that inspires other students is not going to inspire some students. So having that flexibility is really key too. Yeah, so that, that brings us to our last question here. So um, how do you try to keep your students engaged in history? How do you try to make it relevant? Uh, I would say uh, current events is essential um, and like continued conversations about what is happening in the world around us. 
Um, and then encouraging students to take action as exemplified by this project. Um, it's, I often talk about like the micro and the macro, you know, like what are we doing in our lives and then what we do among, to our, our small community will have ripple effects to the macro. Um, and I, it made me, it, it's connected to this other project I do, which is a World War One relatives presentation, um, where students have to do research on what their relatives did, or if they can't find it, then what the region they could have been in was doing at the time. Um, and then we watch clips from Peter Jackson's They Shall Not Grow Old, um, where he took footage, uh, from World War One, and then he had lip readers find the dialogue uh, to to say the dialogue of what the those soldiers would have been saying, and then he colorized it to make it much more um, vivid. And I show it in a, other brilliant fictional and nonfiction films, and I have them reflect on what if one of those people was their relatives and they couldn't know it, and and then we read like in Flanders Fields together really slowly and. You know, I've participated in and, and organized many Remembrance Day ceremonies, and it wasn't until I visited McCray's grave in Ypres, Belgium, um, and they asked me as the only Canadian on the tour to read his poem, that I was really affectively moved. Like, I had never really, unfortunately, paid attention to the poem enough. And then I share the story with my students, and, um, and then... I read the poem while I'm projecting it on the board and I'm getting them to think about their relatives and think like, who's going to remember them? And then who's going to remember you? And it's quite an emotional lesson for us all. So I think that the point of why I'm saying this is that I think that really what the key is you can connect kids emotionally, students emotionally to history and you make it relevant with current events. And I think that that's what um, can make students engaged to love history. Yeah, wow, that's really powerful. Um, yeah, I, I totally, I think that's the, that's the best way to do it. And um, I mean, clearly your students are, are inspired based off the work they've been doing. Um, that's amazing. Thanks. I, thanks. I think like, and you know, when I was think, thinking about the good luck that I've had over 30 years of different students I've taught, like in public and private schools and from grade seven to grade 12. And, you know, in my experience, kids are kids, the students are students, you know, and, and I've taught students from all around the world. And uh, uh, it's, it's such an honor to be able to work with each student and that kind of, as you said, to differentiate for them and you kind of learn from their experience and then you're trying to help each student along in their journey and not everything's going to be perfect and publishable or anything, but you know, you're just trying to get each student to have some type of a smart spark or connection and um, to, to go away knowing, learning something more than when you first met them, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great philosophy to have. And not that everyone will go into history or continue with history, but they'll definitely remember the classes or the assignments that they've done for sure. Agreed. I think so too. Yeah. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Being nominated for this award was done by um, a colleague of mine and uh, some students and families. And this was all a really big surprise and great honor. And I just, the process has been uh, really wonderful. And uh, I'm just very grateful and thankful for this opportunity. Yeah, well, that's great. I'm happy to hear it's been such a good process for you. It's it's really an amazing project. I was so inspired when I read it and yeah, as I said, like, I wish that I had something like this in my high school career or something like that, because it would have been life changing for me. 
So maybe you'll become a teacher someday. And if you do, uh, then uh, you can just uh, say, hey, Shannon, do you have a <laughs> I'll just pass it your way. Well, you still have, you have a copy, so there you go. But if I yeah, perfect. It evolves, I'll share it with you again. <laughs> Amazing. Sounds great. <laughs> great.